Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Hassan with another episode of The Influence Continuum. Today, I have a guest with me, Dana Laquadera, who was an alienated child. Uh, we did a blog previously on parental alienation. And for my listeners, you may know that I've done other blogs and interviews with Amy Baker and Nick Childs on the topic of parental alienation because it's something that I've known about since the 70s when I got out of the Moonies because it was really obvious to me when uh, there were parents with kids in a cult and one started to doubt the organization, immediately the group would swoop in and program the kids against the apostate or you know ex-member uh, father or mother and program, sometimes even making up stories of abuse uh, to tell the kids in order to keep them in the cult. And later I came to understand this was a worldwide phenomenon with just married people or people who have children together and then they have marital disputes and problems and the custodial parent programs the children against the other parent and often causes an estrangement against their entire side of the family, which is what happened with Dana. Dana is a professional uh, author and writer. Her first book was called The Uncluttered Mother, Free Up Your Space, Mind, and Heart. And this book that just came out is called You Know Who, An Alienated Daughter's Memoir. And it tells her story about, you know, as a young child, she and her sister uh, being told horrible stories about their mother and basically being uh, not permitted to having a normal relationship with their mother or their mother's side of the family. And there's so many important issues of influence and ethical influence and unethical influence. But I particularly wanted to do this episode with you, Dana, because I really know that there are so many people out there who uh, haven't talked to their mother or father, were told a story of what happens that may not be correct. And, um, and so to hear the story and to find out the facts is part of the healing process that I think uh, can happen. That's not to say that there aren't abusive parents where uh, a, 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 you know, a, a situation is done to keep the children safe, mm -hmm. but that doesn't include their side of the family and cousins and aunts and uncles and everything else. But with that, I'm going to ask you to assume my audience has not heard your story before, and I'm okay. going to give you the opener, please. Okay. So when I was four years old, my parents separated, and within... I would say six months to a year, I was completely alienated from my mother and my entire maternal family. So mm. uh, we lived upstairs in an apartment upstairs with my father's parents. And when the breakup occurred, my mother was basically exiled from the home. And um, my father got a lawyer immediately, called it abandonment. And by the very next morning, in fact, and we had visits with our mother over the next several months. And the visits eventually dwindled. Uh, my father would tell her as we were crying and he would have to peel us off of her that uh, we would be better off without her. Look what she was doing to us. This was too hard for us. And eventually we lost all contact with our mother and and her family, our grandparents whom we were close to, aunts and an uncle. And about three years later, my sister found a drawer full of letters. There were gifts and letters that had been sent to us that were just hidden from us. So um, my maternal family was trying to maintain contact and they weren't um, allowed to, they weren't able to get past my father. Um, and I knew it, 
it was very confusing, of course, because I had no bad memories of my mother. We were close. I was a four-year-old child. Of course, I loved my mother. She was actually a very gentle, loving mother. And I remember a time when I turned, I think I was turning five years old, when she appeared at our home. And at this point, my father had remarried. So it was about a year after the divorce and visitations had waned or actually I think they had completely stopped at that point. So she did the daring act of showing up to bring me a birthday gift. And at that point, my feelings were of love for her were just repressed because that's what happened. That is what happens to an alienated child. You can't reconcile that this parent who you have loved and has loved you is being pushed out of your life. And I think the way to cope with that is to repress the that bond or the feelings of love and sort of become the emotional regulator for the other parent. Mm -hmm. And I knew mm -hmm. that my mother and seeing my mother or even mention of my mother meant my was connected with my father's anger and rage. And so there was no asking for my mother. There was no normal grieving of my mother. And so when she was here for my, um, to bring the birthday gift, I didn't really feel anything for her. It didn't feel safe to feel anything. It didn't feel safe to love her or to say, I want her to stay. But I knew, you know, somewhere deep down, I knew I want her to stay. I want her to come back. I, I, I know I love this mother, but I can't say it. And I saw my father pacing you know, he looked angry that my mother was here. It was upsetting my stepmother because now she was the new mother and we called her mom. And my sister, who was just a year older than me, so she was just six at the time, uh, went, I, I saw her talking quietly with my father. And then she came over to our mother and she said, we don't need you here anymore. We have a new mommy now. Oh, horrible. And I had a feeling that would be the last time my mother, that I would see my mother. Um, and she left and my stepmother was crying and my sister and my father and then my maternal grandmother were all consoling my stepmother. And I just stood there and it felt like I'm the other. There's them. And mm. my sister seemed okay with this exile of our mother. Of course, she wasn't, but she was right. conditioned or convinced or, you know, the undue influence um, to think she was okay yep. with it. And mm. which is such a red flag. I mean, there's such a instinctual biological motivation to have a bond with your parent. Even children who 100%. are abused have yep. want to be with that parent. So for a child right. to say, go away, I never want to see you again, that's a huge red flag, um, which exactly. I think any good therapist knows or a counselor who has any knowledge of attachment, um, you know, the attachment bond, which I, I think all do, so I sometimes wonder why doesn't that in it in and of itself scream out to um, the courts or, you know, maybe the judges aren't probably aren't educated in that area. But therapists, you know, I think if alienated parents could get their child to a therapist in time and get that diagnosis of psychological abuse, which is what I think it is. Mm -hmm. Could that be mm -hmm. helpful in yep. getting their children, their connection with their children back? Um, yeah, the courts are so far behind what we know about the mind and social psychology. And uh, I interviewed law professor Marcy Hamilton of Child USA, who is a pioneer 
in uh, children's rights. And she said the United States uh, still has not joined the rest of the civilized world and passed the, uh, the, the Universal Declaration of Rights of the Child. So in the mm -hmm. US, children are viewed as property still, uh, which is ab uh, absurd. And um, the, the, the whole topic of a parent programming an innocent child against their biological parent or their, mm -hmm. their, 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 their attachment person and their whole side of the family is just, uh, there's no way in, in the world that makes sense if you know right. anything about psychology and healing. And I want to thank you for being willing to be public and write this book because my my guess is there are hundreds of thousands, if not more, uh, people who've been alienated from their mother or father yes. who believe their mother or father was crazy or believe that they were a, a drug addict or that they were a murderer or in jail or any right. number of other right. lies but they never sought them out once they became an adult. Yes. Uh, and you and your sister decided to do that. We did. We first went to find our mother when we were teenagers and it was my sister's idea. And we showed up on her doorstep. We didn't tell our, our father. We actually sought our grandmother and aunts out first, met with them. Uh -huh. And then shortly afterwards met with our mother and you know, my sister, we have very different views of what happened. We still do today. Mm. And Interesting. she feels very protective toward our father still. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like I hung on to the truth. I always knew something's terribly wrong about the fact that our mother's exiled. It never made sense to me, but I was afraid to say anything about it growing up. And mm. even as a teenager, when we saw our mother, um, I didn't say much of anything during that meeting. My sister did all the talking and it was sort of like an interrogation. She asked her mother, where were you? And why didn't you come back and find us? And, it, you know, she was angry. And our mother just calmly, gently answered to the best of her ability. And she sort of let us know the marriage was abusive, but in very um, age appropriate, in an age appropriate way, we were still teens living at home with our father and stepmother. So I think she said it as, she didn't come out and even call it abuse. I, it was later that I found out more details, but she tried to describe her situation without making it uh, more upsetting for us, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so I always remembered the conversation and remembered what she said, but I tucked it away and went about my teenage life living at home and, and didn't reach out to her again until I was in my mid-20s and a mother myself. Mm -hmm. And then I, I met with her alone, which was good, not with my sister, who really wanted nothing else to do with her at that point. And... Mm. I wanted to hear her whole story and we talked and, and sure. even then it was so hard to make a decision that, well, I'm going to let her back in my life and we're going to reconnect and live happily ever after. It felt like, well, how will I ever tell my father that I've seen her, let alone that we have a relationship again. And so the reconnection was, it was very slow. It was, I made all the mistakes you could make as an alienated adult child. She made some mistakes as an alienated mom. I mean, that information back then too was not as, you know, there wasn't. I think it might be interesting to my listeners to hear what some of the, you know, normal things that people do that are in retrospect errors in, yeah. in decisions. Yeah, I think, um, I think I let fear guide me. I think that even though, you know, here's where um, your 
critical thinking comes in. And even though in many other areas of my life, I used critical thinking, if I had used it in that particular area, I would think, okay, even though we're strangers now, even though I don't remember what the really remember what the bond felt like, she's my mother. She hasn't actually done anything um, to make her unworthy of being my mother. She ha- she's not this terrible person by any means. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, we should have some relationship. You know, that that's, mm-hmm. I think, what critical thinking would tell me. But my nervous system told me, how will I tell not only my father, my stepmother, my sisters, that I'm establishing a relationship with her, you know, they'll, I'll be exiled from my family Mm -hmm. of origin. They'll be horrified. Um, I can't even bring myself to say the words, you know, these are the feelings I was having. And so the, the, semi-reconnection went on for a few years. It was a lot of letter writing and emails because that felt safer. It was some seeing her. Um, I got busy with my own family, you know, having my own young children, being a mother, which I, I loved. You know, I got to be the mom. I got to have the family that I wanted. I got to give the nurturing that I didn't have. And I felt like, well, I'm keeping the peace with my family of origin by not bringing, opening this whole can Mm -hmm. of worms. And then my mother, and I think a lot of alienated parents go through this, when she did or said anything that hinted at the flaws I was told she had, my reaction was, oh, okay, maybe she is a little bit bad. You know, maybe this wouldn't be a good relationship. Maybe it wouldn't be healthy. And that felt like the easier route. It felt so much easier. Only she was the bad Mm -hmm. mother. Whew, I can forget about this, go on with my life, not have to tell dad that, you know, I'm seeing my mother again and it will be easier and more peaceful, which is ridiculous. Mm. But that's how I felt at the time, in all honesty. Yeah. And, you know, emotions have their own mind, if you will. And a lot of scripts, especially when trauma happens to young children, the, the, the traumatized child script is still going on in your head, in your unconscious, even if mm-hmm. you're an adult and you're a parent of your own. Um, I think you had mentioned in your first book, you did a a chapter about healing, about the experience of being a mother where you could be consistent and safe and secure and have that relationship. Anything you'd like to share with our listeners about that? I think it was healing. It um, is healing being a mother myself and having my family, you know, I married a wonderful man and we, we, it was important to both of us to be parents. And I think um, I, I also got very interested in health and, you know, yoga and diet and meditation, all the things that bring you back into your body and um, into the present and all that was healing. And um, I, I did put one chapter in the book, The Uncluttered Mother, that mentioned the past and the, the childhood trauma that I had had and how um, mm. simplifying sort of helped me focus on what I still needed to heal or what I still needed to face or do because, you know, there's so many distractions. And especially if you're a parent of children, you, you know, and living in this modern society, there's unlimited distractions. So you can go your whole life and never face certain truths that are hard to face. And I didn't want that. You know, I wanted, I, I started facing the fact that I had made it difficult, made the reconnection difficult. And I started realizing I had to take full responsibility for that. And yes, it might've been hard to tell my father 
if I was going to have a relationship with my mother again, it might be hard to confront my father about the past. But ultimately, it it was a choice I could make, you know, I wasn't going to die from it. Um, I wasn't no longer a child, I, I could do the hard thing. And so I, my children are all grown now, my three daughters, and um, so I was going to ask you, how old are they and how do they feel about their grandfather and what your story is? Yeah, they, they're they uh, 32, 30, and 28. Mm -hmm. And they were happy I wrote the book. You know, they've heard the story. They heard it along the way. And when they were younger, they they knew, you know, I had this other mom and so they sort of the story unfolded for them as they grew and mm -hmm. um you know and they've maintained a cordial relationship with my father um as i have right now mm -hmm. and does your uh, father the, know you published a book Dana? no no so so that's the the hard thing still is my father nor my sister know, they knew I was writing one. I had told them I was writing a memoir in the fact that it would be published, it, I think was the final thing that got me to reach out to my father again. Um, mm -hmm. So the reconnection with my mother was fraught and she ended up moving far away and we still maintained contact. Um, but, you know, it wasn't the relationship it could have been had I known better sooner and, mm. and done better. And um, which is why partly why I wrote the book, because I hope that other people will be able to reconnect with their parent um, and that it will be a better, a better path. Having read the book. Yep. So your mom knows um, that you've written this book? So or not my, yet? My mother knew I was writing it. Um, she is now deceased. Sadly, she died oh, <clears throat> about sorry. one year ago. And mm. and it was actually the book and the fact that my mother had died that pushed me to talk to my father again because I felt like I needed him to know my truth. And I had to say mm -hmm. it. And I knew he was, I wasn't expecting him to agree or to apologize or any of that. But I just felt like if I'm going to have a book out there and, and I've written on the topic and spoken on the topic many times, I felt like to sort of to live in integrity, he needs to know this is what I think. You know, I know you you may not sure. agree, but this is my story. And I didn't want him to be blindsided by this book and think, well, I didn't know you thought that happened right so I finally did um, talk with him and it went about how I expected it to go was it in person or on the phone it or was on, on the Zoom phone or? it was on the mm -hmm. phone I write about it in my book um, you know I started off telling him that my mother had passed away and I said I'm, I'm not sure why I'm telling you dad but I think it's because that's a normal thing to do. When one parent dies, you you tell the other parent, even if the parents are, are very estranged from each other, um, you know, and even if they despise each other, you you tell the parent that your other parent died. So I told him and, and you know, he had an appropriate response, like, well, it's always sad when someone dies. And, and then I said, you know, she had a horrible adult life. And then he, he started getting defensive and then I expanded on, you know, this is what I know. And, and it was the first time I had, I had brought it up one other time and had backed down many years prior, but this time mm. I thought I'm going to say everything I have to say. I'm not backing down. And mm -hmm. I did. Um, and he didn't hang up on you. He listened. He listened, he defended, he, um, you know, it, it wasn't pretty. <laughs> it wasn't, um, it wasn't pleasant by any means. And 
the conversation ended and then we met in person and in person because I reached out again and I said, Mm -hmm. you know, I had to stand up for myself and my mother one time to you and Mm -hmm. and let you know Mm -hmm. my truth. And he didn't really respond to that. And and I basically said for the sake of peace, you know, I'm willing to drop the topic now, but you know what I think. And because, you know, there are, there are other generations now and there are family events and weddings and funerals. And I want peace. Um, Right. And so it's hard. It's hard when the undue influence comes from a family member versus a group you can leave forever. Not that that's easy either, but right. It introduces a whole complication, I guess you could say. Definitely. And you talked to your sister also in person about the writing the book. And has she read it yet? No, know? she she knew I was writing it. She doesn't know that it's out now. And and I I feel like they don't want to know. And I'm making it easy for that it's on my website and obviously I'm talking about it. I don't put it on my social media sites where I know they visit. Um, I'm making it easy for them to ignore it. I think that's what they would prefer. And I don't want um, the, the wrath <laughs> um, mm. of, I don't see anything good coming of bringing it up to them. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a difficult situation because sure I you know absolutely I, I, truth is important to me um, but they don't they don't want to read it I know they don't want to read it well as a you know someone who has done therapy over the decades and such I always encourage people to be in their integrity to be in their authentic self you know to to uh, to know um, um, what their options are and to make choices where they're not sacrificing their safety their security and 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 other major factors without really thinking through what what strategically could be done and in what sequence um, potentially. And, you know, for me, uh, we haven't talked about it, but um, I definitely know about restorative justice as a model, uh, the value of hiring mediators to help um, difficult conversations to mm-hmm. happen and the framing uh, is really critical to be in the here and now looking forward to the future versus uh, just focusing on the past and, and being angry and blaming and bringing up trauma. Um, so if the, the, the focus is about healing and, mm-hmm. and being at peace uh, and also uh, wanting to help others, because I know that's a big part of your life and yes. your values of wanting to help others. I guess for me, I, uh, I, I you're not asking me for my advice, but if you don't mind, I'll no, say I a few things. <laughs> Please. Because, you know, for me, I, 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 I'm very empathic. So part of how I do my work is I try to imagine being the person, being inside of them, hearing their story, and then how would I feel and what might I do? That's mm-hmm. different. And, um, you know, I probably would have suggested you ask for a meeting in person first rather than the phone call or and maybe using a mediator or some neutral mm-hmm. party that he respects to set a frame. I'd like to have a meeting about a difficult topic, but I really care about you and I want to maintain relations and, the, you know, my kids mm-hmm. want to maintain relations, etc., and the goal is to just allow me the space to clear the air and say what I need to say, uh, and and uh, for you to listen and to do the best that you can to respond. 
So I might do that. I might have suggested trying to intervene with your sister first uh, since she experienced your father too, but I don't know anything about your family history, but I'm always thinking as a system. Did you want to say something, mm -hmm. Dana? Yeah, I Please. did have, I, that's all, sounds like good advice. And I did speak with my sister. Over the years, we have had many conversations about it. And she did know I was going to be talking with my father. And she, she had offered to be there, which I um, decided against. But we talked after the conversation with my father too, and she was angry. I was basically told the rest of the family were all angry at me for, you know, digging up the past, doing this to dad. Um, and- How sad it, that you that's know, what, it, what you heard. They, they felt that, um, you know, why they didn't understand why would I need to say this? Why it, it, it happened so long ago? Why was I even talking about it? He did the best he could. He's so upset that I brought it up. Um, so it was. So he made it about more about him instead of taking care of his children's needs. Yes. Yes. It, it, it was very much about, you know, how I was taking took him by surprise and um he was just upset he was angry he said i i basically said i was lying making up stories so i could have a, a book um you know things that you can't take back and he, he granted he he was on the defensive you know because i was firm for the first time in my life i was very firm with him and yep. and he felt he was he felt defensive and he got defensive and I just thought okay I um I'm done I'm done with that conversation I'm done with that topic with him and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he no but I said what I needed to say yeah no I hear you and and uh, again you know that's the past it's already mm -hmm. happened I. You know, if I put myself in your shoes and he said you wrote lies for a book, I would say I'm sending you a copy. Uh, please read it and tell me what, what if you think anything is mm -hmm. untrue, please, I'm open to hearing the details. And I'd send mm -hmm. it to your sister as well. They can throw it out or they can be angry at you for having the nerve to share it, but that's what I would do as an author to say, listen, I, this is, I'm open to feedback. Mm -hmm. I, other, everyone has different, you know, memories and stories. Um, but I also, I guess I wouldn't encourage you to not publicize your book because you're afraid of hurting their feelings. I'd rather them say, I don't want to, you know, whatever and put it, it on mm -hmm. them because mm -hmm. it's your life it's your book and you want to reach people and, and social right, media is the right. way to I, do it i do and i sort of feel like i'm reaching people with one hand tied behind my back because i why i, I feel um you know do i owe them some privacy do you know is it it took a long time to to um realize I have the right to write this book. I have the right to have this book published. This is my story. And I, and I, and my intentions for it are pure because my intentions are for it to reach other people and tell the truth. You know, I, I made a vow to myself that sure. everything in there would be the truth to the best of my ability to tell the truth, even things that were hard to tell that I did. And mm -hmm. that I regret, you know, I have regrets in, in the story mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, but it's truthful to the best of my ability. And I hope that, like you said, other adult alienated children might see themselves in the story. Or in fact, I had a beta reader 
an early reader stop partway through the book and reach out to me. And she said, I have to stop reading for now. I just am having this revelation that I think I was alienated from my mother. And she said, and she explained a little bit of detail, but it was, it was a revelation she had reading the book, you know, no, I believe there are hundreds of thousands of people uh, who've been alienated and have been programmed mm-hmm. to uh, have a false narrative and, you know, alienated not only against their parent, but about against the whole uh, f- uh, family relationship. And I, I do want to mention that you are about to go to Athens, Greece, May of 2023, uh, to speak on behalf of alienated children and will be presenting at the sixth annual... International Conference on Shared Parenting. Tell us about what the uh, Conference on Shared Parenting is about. Yes, it it will be my first time going, their sixth conference, and several people from several countries come together to discuss um, shared parenting, the the intricacies of it, the laws of it. And there is a part of the conference that is on custodial interference and parental alienation. So I will tell my story mm-hmm. on behalf of alienated children uh, because I I think I will tell my story for as long as I feel it is purposeful and might be helpful mm-hmm. to others. You know, I I, I don't want to ruminate over the past, but I want to tell my story for people today who are struggling with this or, you know, can um, understand the alienated child perspective more from hearing my story. In fact, every day or almost every day when I start, you know, feeling any fear or doubt of should I be sharing this publicly? I read one story from an alienated parent and it, um, it fuels me, you know, it, because they're in such pain. It, it's such a terrible thing for them and obviously for the children too. But now as an adult and as a mom, I can really empathize with the, the parent side of it as well. And yeah, and I might add that this is really a huge phenomenon around the world. And I, I'm not uh, violating any confidences to say the famous female rocker, Lita Ford, was alienated against her two sons by her ex husband and even wrote one of the most tear jerking yes, songs I've, I've heard ever it. heard. It's I am your mother. <laughs> Oh, I know. And for me, it's like do everything you can within your power as a parent on the internet to say, I love you and I miss you and let's talk and let's find us, you know, let's find a safe space or a mediator or some some way Mm -hmm. to um, reconnect and at least listen to each other. Um, and uh, but brainwashing is real, mind control is real. People can be programmed with false memories of abuse. Uh, and I know that I thought I had a terrible childhood as a Mooney, and I was only in for two years as a 19 year old. Uh, I've dealt with so many young people who are in, uh, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, the Moonies, Scientology who were programmed against their parents because they they lost yeah. faith or because they were evil and and are afraid to even reach out and hear the other side of the story or find out, you know, is there legitimacy to their mm-hmm. concerns? And if I remember your story correctly, your mom felt really abused by your father and acted out and he found out and he he had a fit and threw her out, took all of her clothes and threw her out on the sidewalk one when, when, when night. Am I remembering yeah, it incorrectly? It, it, it was a very, you know, a, a toxic relationship that was abuse, that was physical, emotional abuse. And my mother had an affair. Um, she, 
I think she was afraid to tell my father she wanted a divorce. Not only that, mm. but this was back in 1970. Her parents, you know, they were really loving, wonderful grandparents to me, but they were also old fashioned and believed, you know, you're married, This you have two young children, this marriage needs to work. And I don't feel like she had support in leaving the marriage. I think she right. felt like she needed an escape from the marriage. And yeah. so, you know, she certainly was her, she had a terrible escape plan, I guess you could say. And it really backfired. Um, and my sister would bring that up a lot, you know, as we were children growing mm. up, she, she'd say, I, I titled my book, You Know Who, because we would whisper about our mother in our room at night, but we wouldn't dare say her name. So we would call her, mm. You Know Who. And she would say, remember, oh boy. remember, you know, who had that affair and, mm. and um, in her mind that trumped the abuse, you know, that was reason mm -hmm. enough to exile her, made her unworthy. And she, she basically, I think felt or thought what my father thought um, she mm. was influenced. And I think that parents who do the alienating, they might know that they're being, they might, you know, intentionally be hurting the other parent, but I think they don't actually think I want to hurt my child. They, I don't, I think they convince mm -hmm. themselves they're protecting the child from the other parent. It, it's as if they become delusional that the other parent is dangerous, that they're the good parent who will save the child from that bad parent. And, you know, they, they swallow their own propaganda, I think, and, mm. and get the children to believe in the delusion, which my sister did, or what I'm calling a delusion. I never actually believed it. But, you know, I was four uh -huh. years old. My father didn't have to make me believe it at four years old. It's not like I could have picked up a phone and called my mother. You know, I had no no contact, no means of contacting her. Right. So, um, yeah, it's... Well, let me just say, you know, when parents are more concerned about their own feelings uh, as opposed to what's best for the child, um, they, they, they haven't been taught proper parenting, uh, which is yeah. parents should be looking at their children as unique individuals and their job is to help them to grow up and be their their true selves. Right. And so they but it requires uh, perspective taking and and it sounded like when you first reached out to your mom when you were in your teens like she was very sensitive that it's not good parenting to talk badly about the children's other parent. Yeah period. It's yes. verboten, in fact. And there's a whole list of parental alienation uh, factors, uh, neglect, as well as active uh, indoctrination and specific um, uh, uh, behaviors that uh, will be in the blog, links for people mm -hmm. who are curious about that. Um, but it's, it's really... Um, I come back to, look, we're all humans, we all make mistakes, but the question is, are we open to learning and growing and reflecting and changing our minds? And right. if people double down and say, no, 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 what I did was correct and the best thing and the only thing, uh, which it sounds like what's happening with your father and, and, the, and his family, you know, for me as an activist, I want to see hundreds of thousands of, of former parentally alienated children who are now adults, like yourself, speaking out, saying, I wish you hadn't done that. That was harmful to me. It was traumatizing to me. And not only did I not get to be with my mom, I didn't get to be with her whole side of the family. That's mm -hmm. not okay. You right. know? And at the very least, instead of the person justifying their behavior and blaming the victim and blaming 
blaming your mom. The, the stand-up thing is to say, I'm sorry, I didn't do what I could have and should have done if I could go back in time, knowing what I know now that you were so harmed and traumatized, I wouldn't have done that. I would have done it differently. It's those words mm -hmm. that are gonna really provide genuine healing for a young person who was wronged by their parent. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and yet that adult alienated child has to um, go into it realistically too. And I think find other ways of healing, you know, without without getting the apology or Absolutely. Don't expect an apology uh, from no. someone who has a narcissistic bent because yeah. they almost never want to admit they've ever made a mistake right. and it's always everyone else's fault and they always become a victim uh, and make themselves seem like a victim when in fact they're not at all. Mm -hmm. They were in the power position. Yeah. And, but, you know, yeah, go ahead. isn't it all abuse of power, I feel like if, if we could eliminate abuse of power in all areas, not just families, you know, it would, um, it would probably eliminate most of the world's problems. Yeah. So I, you know, it's my life's work. So you're singing my song and yeah. that's why I did my doctoral dissertation to create a framework in the law for evaluating the differences between ethical and unethical influence. We have influence everywhere and we can't mm -hmm. get rid of power, but the issue is abuse of power and enslaving other people or torturing people because you want power, money, or sex. Mm -hmm. uh, that seems to be the paradigm and uh, there needs to be accountability for bad behavior uh, sure. when it's harmful and hurtful. Uh, and uh, I, again, I'm really grateful to you for your courage and your integrity in wanting to give a voice as a professional writer to this phenomenon of being alienated uh, as a child. Um, so I wanna really thank you profoundly um, and there are more and more research programs happening. I'm in a forensic think tank at Harvard Medical School, and uh, uh, psychiatrist William Burnett is there as a regular. Mm -hmm. He's an expert in parental alienation. Brian Hart has been joining us lately. Mm -hmm. I've had Nick Childs come, a psychiatrist from Scotland, mm -hmm. who has a great website and set of resources on. I've interviewed Amy Baker. Yes. This really is a thing, my public. Yes. Uh, and when you meet a new friend or you're dating someone and they say, I haven't talked to my mother or father, mm -hmm. find out why yes, and exactly. how long has it been? What's the story? Right, probe a little bit. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, be curious mm -hmm. and understand that if you're gonna be in a relationship with somebody, especially if you're thinking of marrying and having kids, like know the, the backstory mm -hmm. because trauma gets carried forward. And I'm very happy, Dana, that you found a loving husband who uh, was so supportive and wanting to, you, you know, to have you know, a family together with you and raise them well mm -hmm. and to empower your, you know, your courage. Yes, yeah, I've been very fortunate. So mm -hmm. it makes it easier to speak out, you know, having um, just the, the good fortune I have had in my adulthood. And so um, it, it's an honor yeah, for that's me. Gr that's great. So you have a website, DanaLacquadera.com. We'll add that Correct. to the blog. But if someone's listening to this and is going, I wonder if I was alienated, what's your best advice as somebody just like that beta reader of your book that said, I, I think that I may have been alienated. Sure. What's your advice? Uh, I think even though it's can be scary to, to have that thought or that revelation, um, it, the truth is always just so much better than living with regrets. 
And so I think if mm. you can do some investigating, don't go to the other parent to ask them, or at least not right away. Um, you know, do some trust your instincts and do some searching. And like you said, along the way, if you do start to reconnect, I think a, a mediator or a counselor uh, would be very helpful in those situations. Mm -hmm. And yep. are there any um, Facebook groups or websites of, of others who have been alienated where they can potentially meet you know there there are some there are many or several um facebook groups for alienated parents and there are so you know thousands of them who who use those groups for support but as far as mm. adult alienated children there are fewer of them um one of them i i believe it's just called adult or children adult children of alienation there are very few members on it and it's not very active. And I think, I think it's largely because so many alienated adults um, either don't know that they've been alienated or if they do know they reconnected and went on with their life and maybe they don't want to talk about it or revisit it, or it's just too, um, too scary to be talking about it. You know, it's, there aren't. Yeah, it's I pioneering. So it really is. I know so many alienated parents and so few adult alienated children. Right. Right. So we're talking mothers who are cut off from their their children, fathers who are cut off from yes. their children, mm -hmm. and the judges and courts are really largely ignorant of understanding a way to evaluate undue influence when it comes to this. And mm -hmm. yet, I believe there are some very good instruments that have been developed to show how a child feels about one parent versus another mm -hmm. and the check marks. Right. <laughs> and I know Amy Baker even wrote a little booklet for guidance counselors and I think middle That's school right. or high school that if they're aware that one of their kid's parents are divorcing, to empower the children to know you have a right to both parents mm -hmm. and you it's not fair to have a loyalty challenge that yeah. you have to obey one parent over another parent. They've got a whole set of guidelines as a developmental yeah. psychologist that she is that I think is absolutely wonderful. I agree. But you know, like so many social problems until we have whistleblowers and people mm -hmm. who come out the other end, and I consider yourself uh, an ex-member uh, uh, on a certain level mm -hmm. and a whistleblower on another level uh, to say this really is a, a social problem mm -hmm. around the world. It really is. Mm -hmm. and, and as you said correctly, even people who've been really horribly physically, emotionally, even sexually abused by a parent, they, for the most part, still want to have a relationship with them as they get mm -hmm. older. They don't want to be victimized again or traumatized, but they they don't want that choice taken away from them either uh, right. by a right. person even when it or should be. But yeah, the, the right. attachment motivation is so strong and biological um right and right i'm i'm always for protecting children from mm -hmm. perpetrators but that's why you have visits where you're not alone and they're monitored mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be all or nothing and this should never be cutting off from aunts uncles and cousins right. unless there's some behavior that they were actually involved right. with that's Right. A if, if a parent truly is abusive, then sure, absolutely. Let's get to the bottom of that and protect the child. But if the child's being alienated from a, you know, loving parent, then seems to me it's the other parent who's abusing them because that is abusive to mm -hmm. um, turn yeah, your child and against again, the other parent. Right. The healthy parent never 
tries to uh, uh, make a loyalty thing where you uh, mm-hmm. you have to be obedient to me and know and align with me or feel guilty if you want to talk to your mother or father. That's just not good parenting. Mm-hmm. And anyone who does it needs to be called on that. That's not okay. And but I think you're right. A lot of a lot of alienator uh, parents are probably uh, create a, a narrative in their mind that justifies their extreme mm-hmm. behaviors, but neglects the best interests of the child. Mm-hmm. And I again, I don't as a mental health professional, I don't know of any a responsible mental health professional without true research that there was physical abuse or sexual abuse uh, uh, with the child. You need a, an expert forensic mm-hmm. eva- set of uh, evaluations to determine that if it's just word of mouth that so-and-so is a terrible mother, that mm-hmm. ain't enough. Or a terrible right. father, that ain't enough. Right. So as we wrap up, I'm wondering if there's any last uh, thoughts or recommendations for listeners. I think, you know, just if you know somebody, it seems like everyone knows someone who is affected by parental alienation. If, If you do know somebody who does not have a relationship with their child, and you don't know the whole story, don't make assumptions. Um, I think, you know, at least do no harm by not making assumptions, not assuming they must be a bad parent because, you know, I never see them with their child or they have no contact with their child. Um, And if you're, and like you said, if you're an adult child who had no, you know, had a, your relationship cut off with one parent, um, really start to think about when did that happen and and what, mm-hmm. why do you think it happened? And mm-hmm. um, yeah, but you bring up a very important point, which is a lot of alienated parents are so traumatized that you you don't want to mm-hmm. you don't want to make them talk about why they're estranged from their child unless they're ready to they feel True. safe and 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 do some independent research on the mm-hmm. topic too yeah um and i'm a big fan of asking questions like would it be okay if we have a conversation sometime when you're when you're ready sure. to mm-hmm. you know cuz i'm really in, i care about you and i'm really interested in ne- learning more about your story and your journey um how do you feel about that yeah and you know, so you're giving the other person the choice and the sense of control sure. over the time and the context, etc. And um, I, I, I really am hopeful, and I hope to help promote this aggressively on social media. So be forewarned <laughs> that uh, <laughs> it's fine if it goes on your social media. Sure. Well, it'll be, it'll hopefully be watched and and considered. Mm -hmm. And I think there's going to be a ton of people who escape from the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mooney Scientology, and a million other cults that are going to really relate to this um, story as well. Uh, And hopefully um, get the support they need, get the education they need, and then embark on... uh, a healing effort yes. uh, for themselves. Uh, and uh, I know with adoptees, uh, with DNA, et cetera, a lot of people are reconnecting with, yes. they never knew they had a half sister, half mm-hmm. brother or whatever. And, you know, for me, let's be human in this day of AI where it's in the media all the time. It's like, let's not forget it's okay to be a human. And, and to have relationships and yeah. emotional ties and, and be creative uh, as a human sharing our stories. Absolutely. So Dana Laquadera, the book is You Know Who, An Alienated Daughter's Memoir. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you so much. 
That's it for today's episode of The Influence Continuum. I've been your host, Dr. Stephen Hassan. Theme music for the podcast is by Nasser Malik. To keep up to date with me and happenings that I think are important, please visit my website at freedomofmind.com. There you'll find in-depth articles about cults, mind control, and other relevant topics. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at cultexpert. If you want to develop a comprehensive understanding of these topics, I highly recommend my books, Combating Cult Mind Control, Freedom of Mind, and The Cult of Trump, in that order. These books are a culmination of 45-plus years of experience and will really help you grasp the complex web of undue influence. I have also launched a new nine-hour online course for anyone interested in a deep dive into issues related to recovering from undue influence in all forms. While this course is designed for clinicians, everyone can benefit. If you're a former member, I congratulate you for your bravery and invite you to use the hashtag IGOTOUT and join our online community at IGOTOUT.org. Remember, love is stronger than mind control. And thanks for listening.